TV podcast this week. We're strapping in and cycling back to 1988 in Prime Video comic book adaptation Paper Girls, suiting up with Alicia Vikander for Olivia Sayers' small screen treatment of Irma Vep on Sky and watching Neil Patrick Harris's freshly single realtor begin again in Netflix's New York comedy Uncoupled. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. I actually love workplace comedies, think Battlestar Galactica is middling at best, and miss the short-form content platform Quibi more with every passing day. I am, of course, joking. James has not revealed himself to be a West Country millennial. He is, in fact, on holiday. I'm Beth Webb, your host for today, and I am elated to announce a mashup of new gen and legacy co-hosts joining me today. Dialing in from that London town and bringing the heat from Heat magazine, it's Kay Ribeiro. How are you doing, Kay? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. And with only death itself prizing him away from the microphone, Boyd Hilden is zooming in from a holiday in the glorious New York City. Or New York, New York City. How's it going, Boyd? Wow. Did you? I mean, I'm <laughs> very well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that was the most far-fighted attempt to do a New York accent. I think that... I think I've ever heard you like started it and then you're like, should he carry on doing it? And then you kind of yeah. almost like midway through, you dropped it, I felt. No, yeah. I thought it was good. Like the commitment was there. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Kay is in yeah. fact like Emeryville in Eastbourne. She's not even in London. She's uh, she's also on, kind of on a holiday as well. Sorry, you did say, didn't you, by the seaside? I am. I, well, what I actually said was, I think James is going to be cross because I'm in a room that's a little bit echoey and there's seagulls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, I'm in I'm in glorious Eastbourne, so I'm loving it. Wonderful, beautiful day for it. And as I said to you, Kay, James isn't here, so go nuts, start hanging <laughs> the table, you know. Fizzy pop on the microphone. Let's go wild. Let's go absolutely What's he wild. Do? What is he going to do? <laughs> well, I'm thrilled to have you both here. Let's just say seamlessly into. I mean, Boyd, what are you watching in New York? You've rinsing all the the multiples of channels and things that we just would not get a chance to see here in the UK. Have you watched The Bear yet? And that, yeah. would, that would be top of my list. I haven't actually watched The Bear yet. No, um, I don't think. I, yeah, I couldn't find it when it was on, and it's yeah. But I did look for it as soon as yeah. I arrived. Uh, I can reveal that on the flight over, I watched an entire season of Kirby Enthusiasm, the entire last season <laughs> of Kirby I watched. Um, season I mean, 11. How many times have you watched that now? Well, only this is only the second time I've watched it. And so it was, it was an absolute joy to be able to watch the whole thing again. I, I thought, oh, I'll watch a couple of episodes and then... You got reeled in. Yeah, I got reeled in. That was wonderful. Then I got here. The, the, I have to say, there's one show. I have to apologise, basically, to you the listeners, <laughs> even James in a strange way, because... Oh, gosh. Don't worry, because we're <laughs> reviewing some good shows this week, some interesting shows, but we really should be reviewing a show that we're not reviewing. And it is all down to the embargo. The Resort is the show of which I speak, which is on Peacock. So we couldn't review it last week. We could have reviewed it this week, but even though it's already started on Peacock in the UK, mm. and it's on here... Um, in the US as well. But I've watched the first couple of episodes and it is excellent. It's really, really good. What's it about? A resort, obviously. It's about resort, correct. It's incredibly similar to The White Lotus, is the first thing. I was going to say. I love that. Yeah. Mm. It's almost extraordinarily similar. And I don't think it it, it can't possibly be like a ripper for anything because I think they both went into production around the same time. Um, Mm. it's just, it's just coincidence that they're both really similar. So, and almost the first scene 
which features the arrival of the, the main couple in it are Noah and Emma, played by William Jackson Harper, who is in The Good yes. Place, yeah. and Christine Milotti. They are a married Love couple. Her. They're on their 10th... She's brilliant. They're on their 10th wedding anniversary, and they arrive in this resort, the Oceana Vista Resort, and they're welcome. It's like a luxury resort, and they're welcomed by the people. And, they, and the whole welcoming scene is very, very similar to that first scene in, in The White Lotus where they're welcomed oh. and they're given, <laughs> you know, some lavish drink. They get the flower garland, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the problem is that it's not set in Hawaii, so they don't get the flower garland, but pretty much everything else happens in a very similar way. But then you kind of think, oh, this is going to be another satire on wealthy kind of privileged people in a nice resort, (laughs) a la Hawaii But then the differences become clear, and it's about this. It's basically, it's created, by the way, by the guy who wrote Hot Palm Springs, Oh, of course, which has got Kristen, Kristen in it as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 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 She's in that. Yeah. So this couple, she's pissed off with him. She's like clearly bored with the marriage and he's quite straight laced and quite kind of likes to do things by the book. And they're def- definitely like mm. growing apart. Then by various c- contrived series of events, she basically ends up falling down this hill when they go off um, on, <laughs> on bikes and she ends up finding a, an old mobile phone from like 10 years previously, which, cut a long story short, belongs to this young guy back then, played by Skylar Gisondo, who's in, um, he's been loads of things. He's in Booksmart, isn't he? I believe so, yeah. He's really good. And basically, she finds this phone that, that ends up being his, and there's a mystery as to he disappeared from this resort 10 years previously. And she Ooh. sets about investigating what's happened. Yes, Kay? Kay's got a finger up. Wait, I... Kate's raising her hand yeah. like she's in class. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is how Boyd likes to be treated. If you if you address him, you have to raise your hand. Steady. No, Boyd, now question. <laughs> so if she found a phone, an old phone, yeah. I'm thinking a Nokia. It's a razor, it's a Motorola razor. How is it charged for her to tell who it belongs to? It'll be a dead battery, right? Unless suddenly razors have like an amazing battery we don't know about. No, so she they, they make it they make it work. So she finds this phone. But I was cutting a long story short, remember. But if you want that detail, I mean, fair enough. She um, she takes out the she takes out the SIM card, takes it to a phone shop on the island where they are, and she gets them to put the SIM in in, in another phone and charge it. Up. I'm out. So yeah. I'm out. <laughs> At this stage, I'm Don't out. Be Who out. does that? No. Does that? But anyway, because she because she sees photos on the phone. And she's fascinated. The phone, um, the phone would be dead. I'm going to let it go. Sorry, I've got to let it go. But the phone would be dead. So I don't have let to. Anyway, whatever. Let, they make it, honestly, I guarantee they make it believable. But also, don't get caught, hung up on this whole mobile <laughs> phone storyline thing. The main thing <laughs> to remember is she decides to investigate this disappearance of this kid who was brilliant, played by Skylar Gisondo, who was in Licorice Pizza and was very good. And then the, and then the series flashes between these two timelines. So you get to see... This, this teenage guy and his girlfriend arriving on the, at the resort and their parents are played by Dylan Baker, the great Dylan Baker and his actual real wife Becky Ann Baker so you've got husband, and they're, they're legendary as well and you see them on the flight mm. and there's this whole interesting intriguing storyline that plays out uh, with them in the earlier timeline and the current investigation by which kind of revives their marriage you know? so they get excited about investigating this story the two of them it's just, it's kind of like the White Lotus meets only murders in the building, you know, in terms of oh. like people, amateur sleuths kind of thing going on. 
but it's got a little bit of that satirical thing that the White Lotus had as well. But it's just got an incredible cast. There's all, all the other amazing cast as well, like Michael Hitchcock, who was in like Best in Show and all those brilliant uh, comedy films. He's in it. All the guests are played by really interesting actors, basically. And it's, yeah, it's, and it's, it's really, really good. It's definitely like better than <laughs> the other shows are reviewing this week. Spoiler alert. <laughs> How many stars are you giving it out of interest? I think I'm giving it four and a half, between four and five stars. All right, I'll consider yeah. that then. Right, okay, I need fine. to watch more of it to see whether I give it five. I am definitely going to watch that. That sounds amazing. We're, we're in such a like golden era of beautifully cast ensemble shows, aren't we? Like this, like the white latest. Yeah. Search, not search party. Um, After party, the after party. After party, yeah. your favourite, yeah. My absolute favourite. Like, what a great time for getting these, like, there's another, there's a, a show coming out I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about yet, but has got a really wonderful ensemble comedy cast that works really well. We're, we're getting some solid stuff at the moment. Like, the resort yeah. sounds just up my street. Yeah, I think you really like it. So there's that. Um, I also finished Surface, the Goo Goo and Bath Raw uh, thing. Did you? Yeah. Was oh. that Kate's just done a, like, recoiled? I don't know what that means. <laughs> It wasn't a recoil. That was my. That's my excited face. I have you oh, know. right, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's on my list to talk about. But you go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh, excited okay. to hear what okay. you can think. Well, Beth, you didn't really... You did, well, we had a bit of a disagreement over Beth, you didn't like it that much, did you? I mean, fair enough. You thought it was preposterous, load of old nonsense, which it is. I didn't I didn't gel with it, I think is the light way to put it. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, no. But it you, didn't vibe with you. Exactly. It did not vibe. Mm. As the as the kids say, but you've finished it. <laughs> I finished it. I finished it. All eight episodes. I will. What I will say is that I can't spoil it. I can't say what I want to say about the ending without spoiling it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> just, how how can I lose to this? How can I lose this? Put it this way: there could easily be another season. Right. That's what I'm going to say about it. So it's not quite as limited as you think it is. You're saying there could be, should there be another season? Yeah, I mean, basically what I'm saying is there should be another season. Can I just, I've just got to say, I I, I really I really enjoyed, actually, no, I'll save it, but I, I'm, I'm happy about there's going to be a sec- second season. Oh, so where are you up to watching it? I thought I'd already, I thought I'd watched eight and that there was actually more on my screeners. So when you said eight, eight parts, I was a bit confused, but maybe I've watched six then. So I don't want to ruin it for anyone listening in case they haven't got that far, but I haven't, I haven't clearly haven't finished it. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's eight. Yeah, it goes quite mad at six. I think. I think it get get, get yeah, yeah, it gets quite um, wacko. Yeah, <laughs> Wha- goes wacko. Yeah, it goes even more wacko um, than than the, than the <laughs> earlier bits. And there's an I think it's episode four or five. Well, you know, when they go to the art gallery and she goes, she takes yeah. some. She takes some drugs. We can say that she takes some drugs, hoping to what? jog that. Okay. Tra- to to jog that memory of hers, and um. And yeah, it just goes a bit downhill from there for her. Yeah, she tries this experimental treatment using what they called like psychotropic or something. They have some ludicrous name for these drugs that are going to spark her memory that she wants to know. You know, remember she's, in case people don't know, she she forgot everything that's happened in her life when she allegedly threw herself off a ferry boat mm. into the sea. And she can't remember that. So every now and then she kind of does remember vague things. But then she, yeah, she decides to do this treatment, this experimental treatment. And the whole storyline, this whole plot line, they, it's not a spoiler because they met early on in the first couple of episodes, I think, it's alluded to that she's, she's read about this experimental treatment. And her actual shrink therapist is not, does not approve at all. And it does turn out to be utterly bonkers, the whole, that whole <laughs> who, who storyline. 
<laughs> Who would have thought? Just say no, kids. Yeah. But the whole thing, her and Oliver Jackson Cohen, is he or isn't he dodgy? The, that whole storyline kind of is amazing. And it's just exactly what you want from a preposterous uh, thriller, psychological thriller. Yeah. So I very much enjoyed that. <laughs> That's it from me. That's you. Kate, you had something to add to this. Yeah. So my, so I also have been like um, devouring Surface because I think I've had the opposite reaction to you, Beth, because the kind of preposterousness, I know that you have to really suspend your belief, but I can do that quite easily. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, um, and do you know why? I think it's because I'm just a bit obsessed by Gugu Mbatha Raw. I really liked her in that other show where she, you know, lived in that, the, fancy apartment what was mm. that called the girl the girl before or something yeah and she was great in that so i think she's a fantastic actress but i'm gonna get a bit superficial here i just love her aesthetic and i love the aesthetic of this show so i instantly when i was just watching it i wanted to uproot go and live in san francisco in that glorious <laughs> house she lives in and basically have her wardrobe so from a very yes. sort of facile point of view i was like <laughs> i mean it's it's tense it's intriguing and you know more google on screen frankly so yeah i've just been watching that um, and loving that. And then I fear I'm going to get a bit of ribbing for this, but, well, from Boyd, not you, Beth, because I know you're nice. Um, (laughs) Boyd, I've been watching Ted Lasso, finally. (laughs) So, Beth, something you should know. I always always come late to the party, like so late that they're clearing up up the food, the bins are being taken out. And so I watched it, because I didn't have Apple TV Plus before, because, you know... Too many platforms, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, mm. And I lost my phone, got a new phone, and then got three months free. And I thought, right, now's the time. (laughs) (laughs) Three years after the event, guys, I can confirm it is a delight. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's really good. And just kind of like, obviously love it completely and just total joy. But Hannah Waddingham and Nick Mohammed are just such standouts, I think, just brilliant. So I'm, I'm watching the first season of Ted Lasso. Will you will you let us know when you watch the second? Because yeah. it's such a good example of how a second season goes in such a wildly different direction to the first. So oh, I would right. be like, I'll stop talking, but still football, right? <laughs> it keeps the essence, but then keeps going in directions that are unexpected. I guess is mm. what I say. Yeah, especially with Nick Mohammed's character. I would say, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. But Hannah Waddingham, you're completely right. I, I've only seen her like fleetingly in Game of Thrones and she is such a delight in this. Her and um, Gino Temple's characters together, I think are so wonderful and sweet. And I love they've got that going on inside everything else that's happening. But yeah, it's such a tonic of a show, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm giving my endorsement to Ted Lasso, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it needs it. It's only got, uh, I think, 30 uh, Emmy nominations. So, how many? I made that figure up, by the way. I have no idea, no idea how many it's actually got. Emmy Schmemmies. This is, this is the endorsement we need. The Ribeiros, yeah, the Ribeiros have come through. Yeah. Presumably now, then, you've got all the Apple. You've got, you're suddenly going to go back and watch like, all the Apple shows. Oh, so the, the morning um, show the you morning, seen then? The morning show's next. Yeah, that's <laughs> going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, I mean, Apple has been a blind spot. I, unless it's a screen and then obviously I'm watching it in advance. But yeah, the things, the two things that I really wanted to watch were Ted Lasso and the morning show. So um, I won't be doing any work for the foreseeable while I just gallop through them. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you, can, you can be guaranteed, at least with the Apple shows, as I've mentioned before, they all look stunningly beautiful. Oh, yeah. And they are loaded, not just surface... Surface is like the most slick one of all. Like with the, the as you mentioned, the interiors are incredible. 
Um, and and by the way, in Surface, you not only as it goes on, you not only got their home in San Francisco and the other home they they visit. Oh, outside where they, yeah. go, they go past the golden gate there's all, you also see this other lavish home in another episode don't you which was flashback to where they met which is even more incredible oh my god what i would say is if, if anyone's like currently in their house just hating their lives and their their interiors and stuff like that do not watch your show because you're just instantly going to get like yeah. just some kind of rage blackout and she's still running oh, yeah. in the middle of the road as well by the way that carries on spoiler alert that oh for yeah. god's sake listen Come as, on. Yeah, as someone who very much adheres to the green cross code i mean that did trouble me <laughs> <laughs> but there again she looked so good running and just didn't even break a sweat and i was like if i if i was running up those san fran hills like her i would just basically be collapsed in a sweaty heap so but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Very use the pavement, use the sidewalk. I mean, that's what's there. It's for. reckless. It's reckless it's running. Very reckless. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I said it last week. I'm a, I'm not surprised she allegedly accidentally fell off the side <laughs> of a boat and got a face mangled by a propeller. She can't adhere to the green cross code. Yeah, this is it. Exactly. I'm with you, yeah. Beth. Dreadful. So a bit of Ted Lasso for yourself. A bit of resort. A bit of what was the other show you've watched, Boyd? Uh, all curb on the plane. The entire season. All the curb is that. Yeah. So you mainlining that. Well, I. I watched the latest episode of Better Call Saul. You've obviously mainlined them all because you reviewed them, so we're sitting quite smugly on <laughs> the next few episodes. And if you spoil it for me, so help me, Boyd. So help me, I will come over to New York. <laughs> no, I've only seen. I, I just, I just saw. I've only seen up to um, episode nine, I think it is, or ten. Nine, the black and white episode. Yeah, amazing. Well, that's great because we're on the same the same page now. And I am. I've got to say, I do love a Parks and Recreation. Breaking Bad's <laughs> Better Call Saul crossover because Jerry from Parks and Recreation has a major role in this episode of Better Call Saul, which I, I absolutely loved. But yeah, that was, um, I think the shout out is for the editor in this episode. The editing of, there's there's a whole heist in it, Kay, involving Cinnabons. Do, have you watched it? Beth, I mean, actually I haven't. So, I mean, the more that you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, maybe I will get involved with it. <laughs> What's this about glazed glazed pastries? That, uh... <laughs> Yum. <laughs> but yeah, the way, the way it's edited, there's some really... So, I mean, all the editing for this season has been incredible, but there's a, there's a whole sequence with baking and preparing of these Cinnabons that, believe it or not, play a crucial part in a heist which and it's just feeding back into this narrative that it absolutely does not need to be done. This character just has this real need to put off things for the sake of saying that he can do them for the for the thrill of it all. And that was super interesting. And low stakes compared to the other episodes, which for my health and safety was was a good thing. Obviously strapping in because next week's episodes, as has been widely spread, is called Breaking Bad. So I think we're getting we're getting some old friends back for that one. So I'm really excited about that. And then off the back of Boy's recommendation, and again, this just relentless need to watch some nice telly, having watched all of Ted Lasso, I finished <laughs> Abbott Elementary this week. And if Abbott Elementary isn't the nicest, sweetest, charming comedy that's going around at the moment for people who do really miss your Ted Lasso's, your Parks and Recreations, your offices. But this one's just just got an... I, d- I don't quite know what it is. It's got an extra something to it that I really, really enjoy. And just as a balm to all the nasty telly out there, it is it is real joy. So I watched all of that on Disney Plus over the past, like, week and a half. It's just, Oh, it's just so pleasant. It's so pleasant. And, like, yeah. very sweet. There's wonderful, like will they, won't they 
romance going through it. Loads of great characters. The only thing I am quite tired of the workplace comedy format. You know, the the looking over mm. the shoulder into the camera lens, like the Jim Halpert look. You know, with with John Krasinski like disbelievingly yeah. looking into a camera. I'm quite over that now. Like the shaky handheld feeling even though they're probably using quite expensive cameras like i'm quite past that now yeah you're um, not kidding anyone with that shaky camera do you know what i mean it's been just get your steady hand on it get a steady hand in rethink the format like it's been what like 20 years since the office came out like mm-hmm. let's let's move on let's move on from that <laughs> so that was my qualm but otherwise an absolute like an absolutely delightful show like i'm really pleased to have just had that in my life for a for a short chat while. The kids are amazing, aren't they? Oh, no. The kids are amazing. We are getting that's another. We're just getting some top tier kid acting these days. Gone gone are the Cordy kids performances of yesteryear. I think like kids know how to act these days. That's my that's my two mm. cents. Kids really know how to how to bloody act. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I was really pleased with that. But that was me for this week. Anything else for anything else? No, did you? Uh, one thing I was going to say about Better Call Saul. Did you? I think it was Joe Barton, the writer of the Lazarus Project. Um, yes. He, t- I think he tweeted a very funny tweet. I think he said something like, "I'm trying. I was trying to find it, but I can't." Obviously, it was like something like, "Find someone you love as much as um, Better Call Saul loves montages." <laughs> I thought that was was fair enough because there are a lot of montages in this season, aren't there? There's at least maybe like two or three classic ones, maybe two or three an episode. But in the the Cinnabon episode, that whole Cinnabon creation thing, montage was extraordinary, as you say, brilliantly edited. But they they do really, really like it, yeah. (laughs) They live, they live for a montage. Shall we have... A listener question. Oh, yeah. This question comes from our listener who goes from the hat, I believe it's their handle, Lucy, uh, who follows us on Instagram. Lucy says that they have, you've just finished Parks and Recreation and you've said that you just don't know what you're going to do without Ron Swanson in your life. The question is, which TV character do you wish was in your life for real? That's a good question. It's a really good question. That is a good question. Oh, okay, wait a minute. I need a second. Boyd, over to you while I think. Well, I mean, have you not prepared to answer this question? Well, actually, <laughs> well, it's 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 because I'm still. It's a toss up situation. It's a toss up. Okay, oh, I'll okay. do mine first then. Okay, right. Because well, you know, my heart always lies with Hercule Poirot, right? The the OG. Boyd knows about my love for Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Um, David Suchet now best David Suchet definitely David Suchet not Kenneth Branagh I won't even go into this but yeah oh wow so, okay yeah, feel very strongly I'll take it off pod with you um, but yeah so at first I thought right I've got to have some HB action um, but then I thought I don't know how he'll cope in the modern world so I'm going straight for a comedy character Phil Dunphy from Modern Family I just think if I had Phil Dunphy in my life he would make me laugh every day you know life would never be dull with Phil um, and I get to hang out with all the rest of the family, potentially. So, yeah, if I can marry Phil Dunphy, I would. So, yeah, he's my choice. Oh, man, that is big fighting talk. And mm. just, just Phil, you, I mean, the, it's an, like it's not a single answer question. You could go beyond that, but is that enough? You just want Phil. Well, I'd have Phil, but then by proxy, I'm going to get all the Dumphys. I'm going to get the Pritchards. I'm going to get, all, you know, I'm going to get Gloria. I'm going to get a lot of oh. good people in my life, right? I'm going to yeah. get old oh, yeah. Cam. Cam and Mitch. That's good. That's efficient. Actually, you're marrying into the show is what you're doing there. You're marrying into the yeah. modern family community. That's yeah. uh, that's fair that's enough. Smart, that's right? good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Phil Dunphy, that's my answer. Phil Dunphy. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good direct um, answer to the question. No missing about. <laughs> 
Um, I've got my usual standard, like any any time in the history of this podcast, any time we're asked, <laughs> there's a question about a characters, basically, you know, your favourite characters. I always choose the same ones, which are historically <laughs> C.J. Craig from the West Wing. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Such a good one. Yeah. You know, one of the greatest characters. You're a great Phil now. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And the other one I always pick is Elaine from Seinfeld, um, played oh. by Julie Louis Dreyfus. So they are my, but they're my standard answer. So I did think I've got to think, you know, something better than them because I've been, I, I, I talk about them constantly for about the last five <laughs> years. So the, the more up to date one um, taps into what Kay was talking about uh, just earlier is. Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent in Ted Lasso. Yes. Because you've got the double-edged sword with Roy, which is that, um, I mean, actually in season one, he is pretty much solidly the kind of completely, almost bitter ex kind of um, professional Mm. coming to the end of his career who's being very, who's quite difficult in many ways and quite arsy with everyone. And it's in a very accurate type of portrayal of a particular kind of footballer. Um, but then the <laughs> more you see of him, particularly with Juno Temple's character, spoiler alert, this is a spoiler alert for Kay, <laughs> not for anyone else who's seen her. <laughs> but, no, there um, might be other people in my boat. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure there are. But the more the more you see of him, particularly in that in that with with Juno Temple's character, the more three-dimensional he gets. I mean, I loved him from the start, but by the end of season two, he's just fantastically, as well, you know, he's just adorable and still very sweary. Still every other word is, is fuck this and, and fuck that. But, um, <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I like a good swearer. Yeah, but oh, his yeah. journey, to use that word, is, is, is brilliantly done because you believe that his, him being a difficult player, reaching the latter stage of his career... And then to see him kind of, he just if his after his edges softened a bit um, in various ways, it just works brilliantly. And he is so good in that role, Brett. I love so him. If you had to put that in real context of footballers, he went from what to what? Do you know what I mean? So if he went, did he go from? Well, what he's done is he's gone. He's Roy Keane, basically. I mean, I, I don't think hey. it's any accident that his his name is very similar to Roy Keane because Roy Keane is that you know if you, Roy Keane famously now as a pundit mm. on TV gets incredibly angry with how pathetic the players are being. He's very, that anger is in Roy Keane, but he's also, every now and then, he lets his guard drop. And, you know, like yeah. he does, he, Roy Keane did a, whole, did a long interview with um, Gary Neville for Gary Neville's website. And, all, and it makes those moments where he reveals his humanity and soft edges all the more brilliant because you see his no-nonsense, no-bullshit way of being. Mm. I've talked to Brett Goldstein a lot about the show, but I've never, funny enough, I've never actually addressed the, the fact that is it just based on a little bit on Roy Keane? But I think, I think it's got to be. You should do. It's too much of a coincidence. Next time you yeah. see him, you mm. should ask. Next time I see him. Next time I see him. Hopefully, I'll see him soon. Uh, so yeah, definitely Roy Kent plus uh, Elaine and CJ. They're my answers. They're good choices. What about you, Beth? Oh, I got loads. I got loads. I got millions. I would have. Oh God, where to even start? Janet from the Good Place who's played by uh, Darcy Carden. You know, when they, uh, whenever they need anything, they just say Janet and she pops up and she can help you with everything you'd ever need. It would make me incredibly lazy to have that character in my life, but it would also be very, very useful. So I'd love that. From the White Lotus, Armand, obviously. <laughs> obviously <laughs> Armand. But Belinda also from that show, because of all of the cast of, like, the ensemble of rotters in that show, 
Belinda is like the one down and out good soul. Like, Wait, just remind me, is she the one that's lost the who whose mum passed away? No, she's the masseuse who um, um, who wants to start the like, business. Who wants to start the business? Oh, who is yeah. like in this like yeah ensemble of real real rotters like throwing the fruit. She feels like the one good solid person and Armin just because he knows how to party so like that's a nice balance of a good soul and like a real party monster who's just like constantly on the edge um so that is who I'd have from that I've got to have Lorella Gilmore just you know the ultimate tv mom she'd just be amazing and make me a better person each and every single day uh and then for sheer entertainment Liz Lemon from 30 Rock Oh, just like oh, yeah. she she'd probably put me in an early grave because I'd be eating like hot dogs wrapped in pizzas and like just have a terrible diet but she'd also be really good fun so that's oh, you've my... got good choices I didn't realize we could have multiple choices mm. now I regret yeah, just choosing on. one have Poirot have Brandon's Poirot if you want even if just to kill him off just yeah, exactly. I do not want Brenner's Poirot, but yeah, if I can kill him off, that's. There was also yeah. John Malkovich's Poirot. Remember in in um, in Sarah yeah. Phelps's update of the ABC murders. Phelps's, yeah. No, still don't want. I only want sushi. <laughs> no? No. You know my feelings on this, Boyd. Don't play dumb. I do. Yeah, that's why I was thinking. You know, I'll just mention it. Yeah, that other Poirots are available. <laughs> anyway, moving on from Poirot. <laughs> well, I think those are all admirable answers. Thank you so much, Lucy, for sending in your question. Please do, if you're listening, send us some more. I'm sure we'll get to them whenever James can get to them. So I do apologise if we've not got to you yet. We will get to you, I promise. Um, if you could send them via social media, just however you like, really. Carrier pigeon, letter. <laughs> can you imagine if James had been if James had been on this episode, his answer to that, question would have been like just hot long john brago from from, you know, from the witcher and it would be a list of weirdly named fantasy yeah characters and people from the expanse yeah, yeah exactly um, let's just honor let's just honor his memory i mean he's still with us he hasn't died or anything but um, <laughs> to say that he would have banged on about those kind of characters definitely shame he's not here <laughs> isn't it a, a moment silence for James having a nice holiday somewhere. Probably watching The Expanse, to be fair. He's probably watching that right now. (laughs) Can I just ask, do we know if he's abroad or is he, like you say, just in his living room with the curtain shut watching some geek stuff? I would love love to say the former, Kay. I would love to say the former. (laughs) I suspect the latter. (laughs) Fine, 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 fine. Just like to cast this image for everyone just to imagine. Yeah, with a big tea and some biscuits, I'm sure. All right, so TV news. What's been going on in the world? What have you watched? What should we be looking out for? Have we had any good trailers? What's exciting you this week? I haven't seen any trailers, sorry. It's <laughs> all right. Yeah. House of the Dragon. I'm a busy man. House <laughs> of the Dragon um, had their big world premiere in LA yes. the other day. And they were all there. And they were like, so basically some people have seen it, which is the point I'm making. And mm. the buzz seemed to be pretty good coming out from the first the premiere and, and all those people getting to see the first episode. Um, but I was more excited about the fact that Matt Smith, who is one of the lead roles in House of the Dragon, was asked about what he thought about shooting at what being the new Doctor in Doctor yeah. Who. And he said it was... What did he say? And he said it... He surprised, Unsurprisingly, he fully endorsed it, but it said it was the most <laughs> exciting, I'm paraphrasing, the most exciting bit of casting possible and absolutely brilliant. So uh, he was fully on board with it. 
Very, very excited. There was a big question is, will Matt Smith return as the Doctor in, in any way, shape or form in mm. the 60th anniversary episodes, which uh, are being have been filmed, are being filmed, etc. And we should also make a mention, I want to make a mention of Bernard Cribbins, um, who oh, died, yeah. sadly, yeah. who was an absolute legend. But, you know, I think almost his, like, he, he had incredible career, obviously, in... British comedy films and all kinds of fantastic uh, TV series. He was a constant kind of presence. Forty Towers. I've got my hand up again. The flag up. The Forty Towers, like the classic, yeah. classic appearance in that. Yeah, completely. Yeah, um, but he definitely had a proper career revival at the late age in Doctor Who via Doctor Who. Um, and Russell T. Davis particularly casting him in that show, and he had some brilliantly fantastic scenes in in Doctor Who. And fittingly, he filmed scenes in the the 60th anniversary ones that we'll get to see next year. So oh. um, it's fantastic that he was he was around for that to do that. I think, but yeah, what an absolute a genuine legend, uh, Bernard Cribbins. Mm. Yeah, really sad, really sad loss. It was really lovely just to see all the outpourings of tributes to him, as you say, like really lovely. Mm. Uh, trailer I've seen for a show I'm very excited about, uh, Bad Sisters, which is the Apple TV Plus show coming from Sharon Horgan. Have either of you had a chance to watch this yet? Yes, I have. I watched mm. it. It came out two days ago and I'm a big fan of Sharon's. And I was like, I, I knew this was going to be good. And I think like it totally delivers from what I've seen from the trailer. It's about some sisters, the Garvey sisters, who are very tight-knit and always look out for each other. And their brother-in-law winds up dead. And the insurers think foul plays are at play. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they, um, yeah, they basically have all got reasons to kill him. And so um, they set about proving malicious intent. But it looks really good. What did you think, Beth? Did you love it? Oh, yeah. That cast in itself is like extraordinary. And not just because I'm a big Klaus Bang fan. What would we be called? The Bangers. <laughs> not just because I'm a banger. Uh, even though he looks like a real, a real certified bellend in this, like the worst of the worst. But um, yeah, amazing cast. Aaron, obviously, Sharon's in it. Um, Brian Gleason's in it. Anne-Marie Duff. Darren McCormack, who was in um, the Leo Grand film with Emma Thompson that was I actually still haven't seen it but looks really lovely is in this as well it looks like beautifully shot I'm, I'm with UK like Sharon Hogan's just what, what an amazing storyteller and like showrunner so I'm really 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 excited for this one it looks a little bit kind of big little lies-esque with uh but set in a drizzly part of Ireland so yeah bang on board with that bang on board with clash bang <laughs> yeah, exactly that <laughs> yeah i think it's out on is it friday the 19th of august so it's not too long for us to wait so because i hate mm. it when they come out so in advance you're like oh god i'm not yeah. gonna remember that and you've got a long wait but yeah soon and then it's a double bill opens with a double bill which is always good yes yes i'm <laughs> yes. very excited yeah we'll be reviewing that soon on this on this very podcast i'm sure I've also realised, exhaustingly, that we have not recorded... Our last episode was before Comic-Con happened, really. So oh. a whole... Like, where do you even start, guys? Like, <laughs> just, just I'll so tell you, I'll tell you where you start. I'll tell you where you start, Beth. You start by listening to the Empire podcast <laughs> um, special they did, covering all of the Marvel news, TV and film included... Handily there for you in your Empire stream. It's not even in the... You, you can oh, get it free. What a bit What a, what a bit of amazing, seamless cross-promo. <laughs> yeah. Top marks. Totally, totally. So 
So if you want, if you want the MCU TV arm explained, all the stuff that was revealed at Comic Con, then all you, have, you just listen to that podcast. So we don't have to, we don't have to worry about it here. I mean, <laughs> all the Star Wars stuff or whatever. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of. We basically maybe we wait till James is back. Is my feeling, and he can just cover mm. it off in one hour and a half rant about it all. What, maybe I don't know. <laughs> he can just do a monologue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can get a coffee. We can get a brew on, and um, and James can busy himself with a with a big long thing. I love this boy. I wish we could do this every week. Can we just have like a James's corner where James we go off and make a cuppa? <laughs> James just gets yeah. it all out, and then we come back and resume the show with the stuff that we and, actually yeah. know about. And sometimes you're not recording; you're just letting him talk into the wind. Just <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. So it'll be a Russian, it's a Russian roulette. Did you press record or didn't you? So yeah. I mean, the big the big talk about is we had some Walking Dead trailer news. We had the new look at Lord of the Rings, which is looking very exciting. I'm very, very excited to see Morphid Clark in it, definitely. And then you're right, boy, just a load of Marvel stuff. Go and listen to the Empire podcast. God, this is so like liberating. This is lovely. Yes. Anything else? Anything else for anything else? No, I just wanted to bring up the fact that, I mean, I think this is the biggest news, surely, in entertainment of the week, which is that Mr. Brad Pitt is a super fan of Great Pottery Throwdown, guys. I mean, like, did anyone <laughs> did anyone see that coming? Like, promoting, no. he was promoting Bullet Train, and, it, and apparently he was um, asked which British shows he likes watching, and he singled it out. He was like, it's fantastic. I've seen every season. He particularly likes the longest-serving judge, Keith. Is it Brimer Jones? Brimer Jones? And um, yeah, he just like, he said he's moved to tears by it. So I, sh- I think, you know, stop the presses. That is the main news. That is headline news. I'm so glad you're on here, okay? <laughs> yeah. the, British, the British Great Pottery Throwdown. Great Pottery. No, yeah, yeah, the Great Pottery Throwdown, yeah. Wow. Why are you? Why are you? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't exactly. yeah. this, one's, this one's, I'm saying is, I love it when. You've stunned no, I, Boyd. You've stunned him. You've so stunned genuinely, him. Yeah. I love it when Hollywood A-listers like just these kind of smaller British shows and they shine a light on it. I just, I just find it very amusing. So, yeah. Is it, do they show it? Is it on in America? Does he have a, like a VPN and he, and he taps into it in the, on I live? On do you know what? Bear BBC? with I'll give him a call. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brad. Yeah. on the blower. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, it's not BBC anymore, isn't it? Isn't it Channel 4? Oh, did it I move? It... Is that the one that moved? Yeah. That one moved. I yeah. Think, yeah, I think it moved. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's got like some illegal streaming service. Well, let's not let's not get him in hot water. He's, he's seen it yeah, somehow. Yeah, let's not get him in trouble, put it like this. He, Yeah, he hasn't missed any season. So he's obviously an, yeah, a dedicated fan. So, yeah. Oh, fair wow. enough. Yeah. That's a great story. How do we yeah. even Thanks. top that? Not possible. You can't well, top that. No, <laughs> no. I'd say... There's a couple of the Kate Winslet. Do you see the Kate Winslet's doing another HBO limited oh, you're series? Right. I mean, I'm excited, but that is just one more TV show that isn't the second season of Mare of Easttown. So it's like, mm. I'm as excited mm. as I can be without it being confirmed that she's definitely coming back for that. So sure, like, I'll take it. I'm sure it'll be wonderful. Oh, well, it's an interesting premise. And it's, it's basically, it's called, we should say, it's called The Palace. And um, Kate Winslet tells the story of one year within the walls of a palace of an authoritarian regime as it begins to unravel. She's exec producing it. Stephen Frears is directing it. Nice. Yeah. And which gives me a chance to tell my Stephen Frears story again, which is that he fell asleep in the middle of a, an event I was hosting with him. I absolutely... Yeah. I, I don't think I knew this. Beth, it's so no, good. Really. I mean, oh. it's so good. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Well, to briefly, yeah, briefly. I mean, I have to. I must have told it before on this podcast, but um, yeah, yeah. I was in- interviewing like four or five directors of TV shows for BAFTA for the BAFTA TV Awards. Like they do these panels where they bring they bring together various creative people and you in, in, in various nominated categories and they bring them all onto the stage at the same time and you chat about them. Well, it was Stephen Frears and like four other directors of TV shows and he was on the end of a long sofa on stage and he just nodded off and um <gasps> he was on stage i thought you were going to say he was on in stage. the audience <gasps> no, me, can i just no 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 I, i've just got uh, i've just got to defend him here because i think one of the issues is when you make people sit on comfy sofas to do these things <laughs> he needs to be in a hard back <laughs> chair right that is the thing so is yeah. it his fault or is it the sofa's yeah. fault well, I'll say he's definitely not coming to Pilot 200. That's for bloody sure. If he's going <laughs> to nod off on the stage. <laughs> yeah. Although we could reenact the moment. I mean, it might be quite entertaining in a way. Um, but yeah, it was quite, I had to literally like, I'd, I'd finished chatting to, you know, I think there was a documentary director or something uh, from what I remember. And I was like, so Stephen. And he's like, clearly, like, Stephen, you know, wake up. Um <laughs> Was he jet lagged? No, he was just, he'd been to see like Spurs. Kate, Spurs you're fan. I mean, far that... too sympathetic. You're far too sympathetic yeah. to this snoozy yeah. man. <laughs> well, yeah, at first, exactly. when, he, when Boyd, when he told, first told me about this story, and I, I was obviously like, yeah, because you're talking and he fell asleep, it was a joke. And then I was like, oh no, I feel bad for this guy because maybe you could have narcolepsy. We don't know. So... <laughs> Shouldn't no. do public events then. I mean, he's gonna... <laughs> exactly. I mean, right, to be fair, he's 80. I think he's 80 years old, right? I would say oh, that. Oh, boy, give him a break you know, maybe... then. He's 80. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm 80, you know, I, 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 I thought he's fully within his right to nod off in the middle of a Q&A. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But it's bad, for the, it's bad for the host, for the moderator. It was the, yeah. one of the biggest challenges. And even then, because... It, He's also quite tricky anyway as an interview. If you've if you've anyone's ever seen Stephen Fritz interviewed, he's not like you know the most like helpful you know. So his answers, even while, while he woke up, were like fairly monosyllabic. So uh, the whole thing was one of the nightmare, one of my nightmare situations. Were you tempted to leave him asleep then? If you usually like, do you know what? <laughs> yeah, just, get... <laughs> just let him sleep. I can't deal with it. Yeah. Completely, yeah. Um, the funny thing was, I've been on set. It was for a very British scandal. You know that brilliant, the brilliant mm, thing with Hugh Grant, like, written by Russell Davis. It was a brilliant show, and I've, I've actually seen him. I've met him on set before and everything. Like I felt I had to do this bond with him, but no, still, still not enough. <laughs> Nothing will crush um, your ego like someone falling asleep while you're talking to them. <laughs> exactly. I'd be mortified. I was mortified, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Anyway, that's happening. Yeah, so Stephen Fritz is still flourishing. <laughs> it's all that sleep he's getting. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Uh, awesome. Anything else? I was going to mention one story. So, did you see the story about Stranger Things re-editing an old episode? I had seen a headline about this, and they're stringently denying that they're denying it. Yeah. Has happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. What's the story, it. boys? Well. Some fans have said there was a scene, I think, in season one where Jonathan Byers, played by Charlie Heaton, like was taking pictures of um, Nancy, played by Natalia, Natalia Dyer. And some fans have suggested that they edited it to cut a bit where it felt like he'd carry on taking photos of her without her realising, and it was a bit creepy. Um, but the, the makers of the show, 
have have completely denied it and they kind of i think tweeted or something saying no we, that's not true we've never re-edited the thing but the duffer brothers obviously the showrunners and creators of the whole thing have alluded before to slightly changing things or not re-editing as much but like they alluded to just making certain tinkering with it a bit and apparently this is the the revelation of the whole thing for me was in the end was that they're still even now apparently tinkering with the effects with the sfx for, oh, wow. for the season we just all finished watching so even what? though it's been out it's been available on yeah i know it's incredible, I think, isn't I it? Think, the whole I, idea I think that... at some point this, this, they just need to draw a line and just be like, it's done, it's over, yes. <laughs> move on. Yeah, this is uh, this is beyond micromanaging at this point. This is uh, an obsession. Yeah. yeah, just chill out, guys. You've, you've broken all the records. You've got the studio deals. You've got the spin-offs. You've got the stage play. Maybe stop tinkering with it. Mm. Maybe have a nap. Well, I think that is a that is a hearty, meaty dose of TV news for this week, which is great. I'm sure, yeah, as you say, Boyd, we will be getting a, a Comic-Con debrief two weeks late next week with James, so we'll pick that up then. I can't wait. <laughs> Let's see some reviews, shall we? A nice sort of seg from Stranger Things, actually, because this sort of exists in the same, same sort of realm, I guess, same sort of genre. Uh, I am, of course, talking about Paper Girls. Now, this is based on a really super popular comic book series of the same name. And it follows four girls whose regular paper route is upended by time travel, war and adventure. Boyd, James isn't here. So instead of doing kind of a faffy thing, did you like it? Did you think it was a good show? (laughs) You haven't done this new pun. Terrible written at the last minute. Did you like this? Did you like the show? Um, I quite liked it. There is a link to Brad Pitt, by the way, um, from the, that news story, because his company, Plan B Entertainment, is one of the producers of this show. Oh. And, yeah, it's based on a comic book series written by Brian K. Vaughan and Cliff Chang, which Ooh. is interesting, I think, because considering this whole thing is very much about young women, young 12-year-old girls, basically, and the whole thing has a kind of, you know, let's focus on young women and not you know in this whole thing and you focus on four interesting the relationship the friendship between these four uh, teenage girls but actually the whole thing's been written and created by men the in terms of the origin (laughs) of it the the source material but i just note that in passing rather than anything else um (laughs) and uh, to start with so you've got this these four characters kind of you see them they're all they will deliver papers that's the that's the thing they have in common. They are, you know, in the set in the eighties. So the the Stranger Things comparison is definitely there because it uses seventies, it uses eighties music, not seventies. It's set in the eighties. It uses late eighties <laughs> music. There's a big, there's a big fantastic use of New Order in the, oh, in the, right at the beginning the of off. the show. From yeah. the off, great montage action with with fantastic use of New Order. The young cast: uh, Sophia Rosinski, Cameron Jones, Riley Lyonellet. And Fina Strasser are all very good. I was sl- halfway through episode one. I would say that it is being compared with Stranger Things. So every, the, basically, the one thing that all of the previewers of this show, and including myself, and um, every journalist who's written about this show, I don't, I can't imagine any of them have not said this could be Amazon Prime Video's Stranger Things mm. because it's certainly yeah. it's it's about teenagers. It's um, it's sci-fi fantasy, more sci-fi-ish than fantasy, I guess. And halfway through the first episode, I was thinking, I have to admit, if if you if you Think of that comparison. It's not as good. It's nowhere near Stranger Things. Because my memory of Stranger Things, the very first episode, right from the off, was that 
the premise was instantly kind of riveting and fascinating. Mm. The disappearance of the boy, the arrival of Eleven, all of that. It was kind of... And I remember the dialogue, thinking that the dialogue particularly was clever, smart, funny. And in this, I felt like it was trying a bit hard, the, the way the teenage girls were interacting in this one. And it was trying a bit hard to kind of slot the four characters into different into their different slots, if you like, what type of person they mm. are, what type of teenage girl they are. And I thought it was slightly forced. But then about halfway through, and there's like bullying going on, which I thought was a bit, I don't know, I wasn't convinced by that necessarily. But then by about halfway through, when the premise kicks in and you re- and they slowly begin to realise they're caught in the middle of a time war kind of situation mm. um, and that there's factions battling in the future that they have somehow ended up in some kind of like portal to a future world where there's a big war going on where they live and they're somehow going to be involved in in this conflict between these two factions <laughs> I actually once the, once that kicked in, I was like, "Oh, actually, this is pretty good. I'm quite fascinated. I'm quite interested in that." And also, the whole thing seemed to step up a bit for the last, I would say, twenty twenty five minutes. And there's some good sci fi fighting, future action, and it's quite violent. Quite there's a lot of swearing going on. You can tell it. So it's like a, it's one of those things where the streamers do. Where even though it's about it's a young adult kind of thing um, about twelve year old girls. They're, they're saying fuck this and fuck that and they're shooting people and people are being shot quite gorily and quite violently. So it's quite, you know, it feels like quite sophisticated, um, which of course Stranger Things did as well, uh, all of that, as I'm keep, well, we'll maintain the comparison. But by the end of the first episode, I think I was on board, is, is, my long, is what my long-winded mm. um, spiel ended up being. And I think by the end of it, I was like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. And maybe it could end up being the Stranger Don't Things for Prime Video. It's possible. <laughs> I've said it. <laughs> But it's not as good. It's not as good. Kay, do you agree? Do you concur? Yeah, I actually really do, which is surprising, Boyd, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I, do you know what? I was quite eye-rolly for the first half because I just found it, like Boyd said, I found it quite hard going, the introduction of the four girls, and as you say, they all, you know, falling into these roles. And I can't remember the character name, but there's one that they insist on calling New Girl. It's like a thing. Um, mm. And I know this is going to be like weird. And actually now it seems like I'm just fixated on communication devices having queried boys on the mobile phone. But there was <laughs> they just talk about this bloody walkie talkies all the time. The walkie talkie on the walkie talkies, losing the walkie talkies, just saying the words walkie talkies. And so for the first half, I was like, oh, God, it just felt very, yeah, hard going. But then and ironically, considering I'm not really a fan of like time travel or sci fi. But when that side of things like kicked in suddenly my interest was piqued and I was like oh okay like this is quite good and like they go they go to the future um and they see older versions of themselves and there's all like you know these they're caught in the crossfire of warring time travelers and I was like okay this is better than I thought and I also enjoyed the girl gang camaraderie of it but yeah I completely agree with Boyd I think it was like a show of two halves in a way I would agree with you if I had watched more than the first episode of this, which I actually do intend to do. So so I've read the first two comic books of this. It was given to me as like a birthday present a few years ago. I really, really loved it. Brian K. Vaughan, by the way, um, massive graphic novel author who did 
why the last man and like weirdly talking about shows that are all to do with women that have been created by a man um and an amazing series called saga as well which to date i think just people haven't even tried to adapt that it just can't can't really be done or can it i'm sure someone's going to try but i was really excited about this it's partially directed by uh georgie banks davis who did some of i hate Susie. Mm. um so it's got some great female directors behind it I yeah, I'll just agree with everything you say, really. It just I felt it quite clunky. I think it is such a shame that it is coming in the wake of Stranger Things, which is I'm guessing no accident. Like it is trying to mine the success of a show which has upped the scale of science fiction and fantasy and especially kind of nostalgic ambliny Spielbergy kind of like genre shows to a scale that is just like unattainable unless you've got that kind of money and this show just doesn't mm. like there's there's some real kind of cut arounds for some of the more conceptual scenes and it just looks quite cheap and you can't help but make those comparisons because it, we are literally bouncing off the back of probably the biggest sort of show of the year definitely in a in a kind of genre sense so it is a real shame that you just you are just like naturally making those comparisons you've got these four kids I like that the girls are quite scrappy and I like their camaraderie that's sort of beginning to form um but yeah some of it just felt you just think given the amount of money that Prime is putting into other TV shows, they would pause and put a little bit more money into this one. It is a big IP. Like a, a lot of people in the comics world have read Paper Girls. Um, I just think it's a bit of a shame, but I will, I will keep on with it. I do like, yeah, I like that ensemble as a, as a group. They've got to do a, a lot of heavy lifting considering they're 12 year olds or they're playing 12 year olds. Ali Wong, I absolutely love. So if she gets to do more kind of comedy stuff, that would be great. But yeah, I think I need to I need to watch a few more of these to be totally sold. And I just wish they hadn't put it out now. I guess there's no, they they sort of have to, especially because Stranger Things, as we've said, that universe is only going up and out. So, but yeah, yeah, it is a shame. You're right. It does feel less epic, doesn't it, in scope and less kind of, it feels quite small scale in a weird way, even, even when the time war thing, I keep calling it the time war, which is a Doctor Who thing. It's a war, it's a war in the future mm. but even then it felt like slightly small scale yeah didn't it, 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 it's, was, it's, it's interesting how um it go on. i wasn't sure i wasn't sure if it was meant to be a bit lo-fi like in comparison but maybe not maybe yeah. because that budget wasn't as big i think because it's so focused on those four these four girls and you know like basically right from the start I, i'm sorry but i'm gonna say stranger things right from the start stranger things has got <laughs> four, three or four different things going on you've got different generations of characters you've got the late teens in it the early, the young teens you've got um the whole what the hell's happening with this facility in where it's set there's just about there's about four different plots if you like running concurrently throughout stranger things whereas this has got one thing you're following these characters and it's fairly like narratively straightforward and i do feel that the comparison doesn't do any favors because of, of those yeah. different elements yeah it's unfortunate well, I'm going to persevere and hopefully next week come around and be a little bit more sold on it. But yeah, it, it's it's doing its best. I think is what I'll say on that. <laughs> it's doing its best. All right. Well, next up, Uncoupled. This is a new Netflix show starring Neil Patrick Harris as Michael, a man who has had his life turned upside down after his partner walks 
out on him after 17 years. Kate, what did you make of this? I enjoyed this. So this is co-created by Darren Starr, who is behind Sex and the City. And as you say, yeah, it's about this gay couple, Colin, played by Tuck Watkins, and Michael Neil Patrick Harris, who've been together for 17 years, aka a lifetime. And they seem blissfully happy. And I think the thing, um, so Colin's a successful hedge fund manager, and he's celebrating his 50th birthday. And it's obviously a turning point for him. And he's like, he's He's not really into celebrating it because he feels like he's old and he's a bit twitchy about it. But Michael, in his own right, a successful estate agent, decides to, he wants to make him feel better. So throws this party, celebrates Milestone by having a surprise bash. And like, I think for me, it's funny, but um, it's just also so like relatable (laughs) because it's this thing of like how often a lot of people have that feeling that, oh yeah, everything's okay in their relationship or at least everything's not not okay and that that moment when everything's upended because the person you're with or you could be the person it's just like actually just turns around and says no it's not working and how your whole world collapses and this is what happens in this so I really enjoyed it for the relatability and just sort of like seeing how Michael deals with it and the fact that you know he's then in this party having just found out that the partner's like sort of moved all his stuff out and he's having to put on this front in front of these guests of this party he's organized for Colin and it's just that awfulness of like god it's so awkward and also the devastation of realizing that he's now going to be a single middle-aged gay guy in New York and how he's going to have to navigate that so I really enjoyed it I thought it was funny it's full of pathos and most importantly I think it was just really relatable for probably the majority of the world (laughs) yes I um yeah it really kind of minds that post-breakup ruinous in a really real way yeah it's brutal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Boyd, how about you? I yeah, I agree with all. I agree with a, a lot of that. My only my qualm with it is that it's first of all, it's like a show that feels like it should be a half hour comedy. Like it feels, you know, um, Sex and the City yeah. was half hour were half hour episodes, weren't they? Throughout its whole history, mm. and this feels, as you say, downstar making the show. Often people often say about Sex and the City slightly glibly, but I think there's a certain point to it. That actually, you know, it's kind of almost about, it's like a, a show about four women, but in fact, like, it's also, there could just be gay men as well, you know, in a way, mm. like the way they, their personality types and what they became uh, associated with. And there's a campness to to a lot of it, you know, Sex and the City, that it's not it's not surprising, basically, that, that Darren Starr was the creator of it back in the day. These episodes, they range from, they're like more like 45 minutes. I mean, some of them are nearly an hour. Mm. And um, it feels a bit stretched to me from that point of view. And I don't think the right, I don't think that, it's 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 definitely trying to be a comedy, that's <laughs> right, as far as I can make out. <laughs> um, but I don't feel it's funny enough to, mm. um, you know, I, I think actually Sex and the City, Sex and the City, early days, I always say people, you know, people, often stupid people slag it off saying, you know, it was it was a celebration of excess and of consumerism and all that. But that was all really later on and with the terrible film, the, particularly the terrible second film. But when it started, when Sex and the City started, it was really radical and was really funny, instantly funny yeah. um, mm. and really well observed. The writing was really sharp. Yeah. Exactly. I don't feel this writing on this show is that sharp. I feel it's a bit like... So even though the situation is relatable, to use that word again, and Neil Patrick Harris is great, and mm. you totally... And it's, I found it believable. I believed in the characters. I think, you know, you know, his best mate, kind of older guy, who um, is quite wryly 
Right, so there's this older guy who's who's one of his best friends, who's supposed to be quite kind of wryly amusing. But what he was saying wasn't as funny as it needed to be. Do you know what I mean? I felt like the whole script needed a bit of a punch up somehow. But yeah, I I, I definitely I I watched like three or four episodes. So I carried on watching it. I didn't even just watch the first episode. And Marsha Gay Harden is in it as this kind of uh, woman. They're based, they're real estate people. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris and his mate. They, you know, and they're desperately trying to get her to to get her lavish apartment new york manhattan apartment to sell that's one of the kind of subplots if you like it's a bit um selling selling manhattan like selling sunset style um kind of subplot and marcia <laughs> Harden is brilliant she was like all the scenes she's in because she's tough in it and hard bitten and quite you know she's div- she's divorcing her useless husband and, and she's also i think her scenes were some of the best bits in it but even then after a couple of episodes they like even her character they're like softening a bit and i was a bit like this thing, i thought the whole thing needs to be slightly tougher and funnier mm. than it was it, it's a bit ends up being a bit middle of the road weirdly even though there are some bits that are like you know that's dealing with him wanting to going on grinder and all of that and it's like it's you know it's interesting stuff but it's it's just lacking a certain bite yeah what I was saying. Mm, I I agree with you there. Like it very much exists in the same world as Sex in the City, doesn't it? That kind of upmarket. Yeah. Like Kay, Kay, you were talking about that aesthetic mm. with um surface, with all the the beauty and the glitz and the beautiful interiors and the high ceilings of New York. And and he very much does exist within that world. Even some of the characters you feel like probably would have existed in an episode of Sex and the City at some stage. Yeah. Some of the secondary characters, certainly. So you can definitely see that. And the story is kind of soapy enough that it did. It drew me in for, for another few episodes as well. But I just find Neil Patrick Harris such a dazzling screen presence. He really is got the potential to kind of be a little bit more cutting, as you say, Boyd. He's got the sweetness to him, which they very much mind for this show. And he really is bashed about metaphorically by this this ex-partner. He really does put him for a ringer as you know, honest with him, but also doesn't handle the breakup very well at all. And so he does, you know, handle the emotional roller coaster he goes through very well. But yeah, it wouldn't kill him to, you know, be a little bit harsher, be a little bit more brittle, be a little bit more nuanced, maybe, instead of sort of glazing over it with this very, what's the way, it's, it, it just feels a little bit superficial, I guess, and, and lacks that kind of nuance. It's almost as well, like kind of borrowing commentary from Sex and the City and the, the breakups that happened in Sex and the City over 20 years ago, you know, when that show first came out and it had this commentary on heartbreak and beginning again and being of a certain age in New York and suddenly on your own, you know, what does that feel like? How do I date? How do I do this? And it feels like some of that dialogue's almost just been lifted out of that show and plonked in this one when it is a very different time, you know? I'm, I'm not here to comment on that community at all, but it is just dropping in references to Grinder and, and dick pics and the like. You've got, to, you've got to expand on that, I think, and be a little bit more. I mean, I'm obviously going to draw on one of my favourite shows ever, Looking, which was, a, you know, an exploration of, of being gay and having your heart broken and making bad choices in a way that was the, the dialogue for that was just wonderful. Um, whereas this feels a little bit more, yeah, just a little bit too superficial. You've hit the nail on the head with looking. And funnily enough, 
name drop city. Obviously, I was with Russell Tovey last night. <laughs> yeah, in you were. Of course he, you were. He, <laughs> yes, you bloody were. <laughs> he's, here, he's here filming. He's here filming. And I was exactly, he was like, what have you been watching recently? And I made this exact point. I was saying, well, I've seen the new Neil Patrick Harris thing, Uncoupled, on Netflix. What's it like? Well, it's fine, but it's no looking. Mm. You're right, exactly right. <gasps> how, and it reminded you, it reminded me of how brilliant looking was because <sighs> looking it was fantastically well written. And it, it had that sharpness to it and that edge to it. Yeah. And just the way it was filmed, you're right, it's like the, you know, the way Andrew Haig, a brilliant filmmaker, made it. It yeah. felt very, very real from one scene to the next. And this, even though I thought the characters in this were believable, but it's got that slick sex, it's got that late period Sex in the City thing going on, the slickness. I mean, if you want mm. beautiful Manhattan, you know, I'm here now in New York and it's great to, uh, you know, to watch a show with all these great Manhattan locations. They probably filmed in Vancouver now that I've said that. But, you know, <laughs> in theory, it's got these great Manhattan locations. But, but it's no looking, you're right, exactly. Um, yeah. If you haven't seen Looking, where can we, is it still available somewhere? Where can we get it? It's on, yeah, funnily enough, they're re-showing it now on Sky, Sky Atlantic slash now. So they're showing it on, you know, like, um, I watched an episode the other night, actually, and that, so I was reminded of how good it was. Um, so it's <laughs> Netflix, definitely, you can get it on. Netflix are going to love us. So, yeah, still watch <laughs> Uncoupled, but then also watch Looking. <laughs> Kate, you know who's in Looking as well is... Um, Murray Bartlett from White Lotus and he is absolutely this is one of his and this is the the like what's so good about White Lotus is taking someone as brilliant as Murray Bartlett was in looking and giving him another proper chance because he should have gone big after that and if James was here he'd be like well he was in Stargate blah 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 (laughs) but (laughs) for, for people who aren't James he didn't get to do very much after looking and then he got this like huge upcoming through White Lotus but he's he's everyone's wonderful oh, on that show Russell Tovey especially guys I'm um, adding it to the list it's next after Ted Lasso <laughs> yes amazing yes. amazing finger on the knob <laughs> brilliant well that was a glowing review of looking uh which you can watch on sky <laughs> sky london now no you can watch on cupboard that is out i believe on the 29th of july on netflix i've just realized i don't think we said when <laughs> paper girls is out it is out also 29th of july so it'll all be out by the time this episode comes out on prime video so you can go and watch it then Okay, third one, Irma Vep. Now, this is uh, this is from filmmaker Olivia Assayas. It's a serialised adaptation of the 1996 movie of the same name. It stars Alicia Vikander as Myra, who plays the titular Irma in an upcoming movie. Boyd, what did you make of this show? Well, first of all, I should say, I should admit that I wrote a whole article about this show, Emma Vep, for um, Heat Magazine, as is my as is my job, talking about how it was based on a film that the director um, originally made back in the day, uh, a few years ago, and explaining how it's his own. It was his own concept about following an actress and seeing what she's doing a, doing a remake uh, of a thing called Les Vampires, a French silent film thing about. <laughs> anyway, I wrote this whole article about it, and I kept calling him Oliver Assayas, the, the writer-director, and his name's Olivier, and I literally, I, I'm so glad, I've kind of thought, I better check that his name. And um, his name is Olivier Assayas, so I should, I'm just admitting that I was just... That's a formal apology for Hilton. Everyone cling <laughs> on to that. Yeah. 
So this is, it, it was 1996 he, he made a film of the same name and um, which starred Maggie Chung, actually, in the lead role. Mm-hmm. She was a Hong Kong actress who was, like, involved with an unstable French film director. Um, and this time it's Alicia Vikander. Vikander? Vikander? Um, who is the lead. And she is an American movie star who is kind of, she's just kind of made a Marvel type, I think in fact explicitly a Marvel MCU film. And her agent, who is a brilliant character, who you see more of in episode two than episode one. In fact, I'm not sure if you see her at all in episode one, but her agent just wants her basically to do money spinning superhero films. Mm. And she wants to do, she's having a bit of a, she wants to do meaningful, you know, intense, creative, artistic things. And there's that clash between her and her agent. Her agent, um, played by Carrie Brownstein, by the way, who's fantastic in it. Oh, I love her. She's not yes. in the first episode. Right. That's another reason to watch this. Yeah, you've got, I, I would say right from the start, I would say, by the, if, if you think episode one, so the whole premise, I, I love this kind of thing anyway. So anything that is about, you know, the kind of inside of Hollywood, you know, what really happens on film sets, what really happens between actresses, publicists, directors, co-stars, it's all about the egomania of the bubble of filmmaking, really, or, or in this mm. case, they're making the update. But the big update is they're not making a film; they're making a a, a peak TV, prestigious TV drama that this pretentious bell end of a film director, <laughs> uh, played by Vincent McCain, brilliantly, this guy called Rene Vidal is the director, making this TV series, and he calls it. He, at one point, he says, "Oh, it's an eight-hour film; it's not an eight-part TV series." That cliche <laughs> yeah. is trotted out by him, which I thought was brilliant. And it's all about you get to see you right, the scene that crystallized it for me, which I think is in episode one, is when there's a um a big round table chat with her, with Elizabeth Picanda, <laughs> and all these foreign journalists in there. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there, right? Oh god, yes, we have. <laughs> it was so yeah. it was excruciating to watch for a for a journalist particularly who has to do that who has yeah. to sit there with in a round table chatting to a big star and you're all try asking like pretentious questions it was so spot on it was so chillingly <laughs> accurate that it made me feel almost physically sick that i'd been in those situations <laughs> quite a visceral reaction you're quite visceral Trying to go on the good side of the star by asking like an in-depth question when really all you want to know is like what happened to this bloke who dumped her or, you know, recently. <laughs> um, because part of the great storyline is that she has been dumped and that she had an affair with this woman who's ended up going to marry this other director who you meet in the first episode. So there's a lot of kind of all the stuff going on in her private life is fascinating. But it's just the accuracy of portraying that world I thought was fantastic. You just, but mm. all of it is so well observed. And I have to say, you know, I, I was reading a lot about Olivier Assayas and how closely the director character is based on him, apparently. Um, and he is, apt, as I say, complete twat, pretentious, <laughs> annoying, you know. Um, Who are we talking about issues, now? <laughs> just, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, he's fantastic. Her ex-assistant and ex-girlfriend character who pops up, she's, they're filming all this thing in France and Paris, pops up too, and they've got this weird, almost like S&M power relationship going on, which mm. I think is really interesting. Um, and almost, and that that's fascinating. It's got a lot of different strands to it, the whole thing. Um, there's a terrible actor who is not who keeps complaining to the director about his role 
and you know what what is my literally what is my motivation for this role and complaint all of that i thought was so clever the first ep- but what i was saying was the first episode is is almost slightly as pretentious as the actual thing it's describing in some ways as as you know when you're watching this show being made and it's a little bit, it has to establish a lot of characters and it has to establish the setup. But episode two, you're straight in there with a, there's a hilarious physical fight in episode two between the director oh, and the wow. actor that is so funny and brilliantly done. And, and it just steps up the, the kind of comedy element of it a bit more now that all of the different strands have been introduced in episode one. So I'm loving it, I have to say. I think Initiative Akanda is brilliant. It's got like so many echoes of real life, of real you know, relationships that are real people. Because Olivier Assayas, of course, has worked with various actors and I think they kind of pop up in some ways. It's, it's very, he, he's, put it this way, he's clearly not bothered about basing a lot of this stuff on real life, on, on real actors and actresses, their real relationships and what really happens to them. And that is just fascinating. So if you're at all interested in that whole world, I think you will find it really gripping and fascinating. Blimey. Kay, do you share this uh, very, very high enthusiasm for the show? Um, I, do you know what? I am very enthused. I agree with Boyd about like the portrayal of this world that you, me and Boyd exist in, of, you know, the filmmaking world, entertainment media and the dynamics. And like, I found that fascinating mm. and toe curling, right? <laughs> Literally, I thought my toes were just going to snap <laughs> off during that scene that Boyd's referring <laughs> to, um, where the journalists were interviewing the actress. So I really enjoyed that. And I only watched, I should say, I only watched episode one. And for me, it felt quite style of substance in a way. It felt quite stodgy because all the stuff with the director, as Boyd said, you know, they go into um, the kind of story of the director and what he's like to work with and all this kind of stuff. And for me, it just was, it was quite hard, like, you know, hard going and stodgy to get through. I know they have to establish all the characters and the dynamics and stuff like that, but you know, bearing in mind I didn't watch the second one, which clearly gets going then. I was I was slightly disappointed about this because I was excited. You know, it's, aesthetically, it's very pleasing. Um, I think the thing that most interested me, the most interesting aspect was the relationship between Mira and her ex-assistant and the power dynamic and struggle between them. Because Laurie was obviously like quite bitter at having been Mira's assistant and like being at her beck and call. But then now there's like this new power dynamic between them where... Laurie the ex is like marrying a rich director which completely blindsided Mira and um, she loves the fact that she's still the object of her desire so as Boyd said it's kind of like a weird dom sub situation where like there's an Mm. intense scene which to me I was just like gripped by and actually it was I think it's kind of like the best scene of the whole thing because I just couldn't stop watching them is that um, Laurie sort of establishes her power over Mira and has her wrapped around a little finger as she's getting Mira to like model her costume which was this cat suit and sit in a certain way and basically be dominated by her um, only for her then to be humiliated so to me that was the most intriguing interesting aspect of it so I mean I take Boyd's guidance very seriously that he says that episode two really gets going. I'm so annoyed with myself because I meant I literally I meant to say earlier before I left for New York I meant to make the point I meant oh. to say please watch episode two because oh, right. it, honestly the, the, it, the yeah it's so much more it, you're right I think I think episode one is a little bit kind of heavy going mm. whereas it just it just becomes much funnier all of a sudden in episode two so I meant to make that point oh, okay. to, but yeah but I forgot. But yeah. so you know, but it's not your fault because to me, like you shouldn't have to watch a second episode, right? You know, you shouldn't have to work so hard to then get to the gold. But um, also, FYI, it did make me want to watch a silent movie. So if anyone's got any recommendations, mm. send them over. So. Mm. 
I mean, that's it. That is a really good point to make, isn't it? And something I've like ranted about on the show before is when a new show withholds almost the entire plot, the entire setting point of a show until the second episode, you know, you see, I mean, even looking through the cast list for that show, and this has happened so many times now where I'll go to get up all the notes and things, see this massive cast list, having watched the first episode of a show and been like, have I watched the wrong show? Where are all these people? And they've all been sort of held back till the next one. There was a, um, oh, I've forgotten. It's, <laughs> it's one of the Apple TV Plus shows that begins with an S and it's all, it's just a single word. There's about 12 shows on um, on Apple and they all be with S and they're all just a single word. Severance. It wasn't Severance. Oh, okay. It had Uma Thurman in it and it was something oh, yeah. else beginning with S. Surveillance, I want to say. She's not in the first episode of that, I don't think. Or she's in like a five seconds of that first episode. It's, it's, do you know what? It's a risky strategy because there's a lot yeah. of people who just won't bother sticking around for the second episode to spot her or, you know. Exactly. And with like the conceptual stuff, funnily, Why in the Last Man was another one where that happened, where they spent an entire episode building up all these characters in this world. And it wasn't until the last five minutes or so where they dealt the blow that all the men were going to, oh, it's not really a spoiler, it's called The Last Man, where everyone but one man dies. And you're just like, where, get, hit the ground running, guys. Like, this is what I want. So that's, that's, um, that's just me ranting now, really. But to say <laughs> that true. I will definitely, <laughs> I will definitely go off and watch the second episode of that because I, I completely agree with you, Kay. The, the most intriguing scene in that was the power dynamic between those two women, not least because they're completely magnetic. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I haven't seen Alicia Vikander on screen. I saw her briefly in the Green Knight last year, but I haven't seen her really do very much lately i don't know if that's on on me or her to be honest but to see her in this role and very quietly fuming over this relationship and like blindsided as you say she's not sure what to do she's completely under the spell of this other woman and to see that play out is really excited and i'm excited to see where that's gonna go and i i just yeah olivia says i i love his films he did a film called Personal Shopper I really loved. And I think Kristen Stewart's in the show later on, maybe. Again, Is she? Oh, what, I don't know about I, I think so. But mm. just put in the first episode, guys. I could, <laughs> could not want to get to her sooner. Do you know what I yeah. mean? But yeah, I think I think it was it definitely looked very, very beautiful. I did like the commentary. Also, my toes curled with that. Oh, oh, like <laughs> nothing makes me flip over a channel quicker than a than a bad interview so it, yeah hated it hated it but it was really beautifully made I do love his writing Olivia Isaias and I need to give a kudos for those title credits those title oh, credits yeah. are absolutely yeah. stunning aren't they like so stylish yeah gorgeous yeah I think we're in again golden era for like ensemble comedies golden era for title credits all of the title credits for everything this year have been like the bar has been raised. It has been raised. I kind of want to say, spend a little bit less time on those opening credits and a bit more on that opening episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Harsh. Harsh but fair. Harsh but true. You know what? You know what? A, a shout out for um, the the um, woman, Devon Ross plays her, the new assistant. Mm. Um, and she is brilliant. She's got this quirky, like, indie vibe going on. Like, she's a, she yeah. considers herself to be like a film buff. And she's just brilliant. She's got like just a fascinating face, and her whole performance is amazing. And there's scenes where she's 
telling the publicists in the French publicists for the film that the hotel room isn't going to be good enough and all that all that is like so brilliantly done so I yeah I very much enjoy her zero fucks given energy like she's just like yes yes exactly exactly (laughs) exactly um and suspicion was that show you're talking about with Uma Thurman by the way suspicion on there we go yeah I I just can't keep up well boys yes what else have we got out this week do you know what? There's um, the big show we can't do, which opens, which starts on Friday, is The Sandman, uh, but which we couldn't Ooh. review. We couldn't review that on Netflix because of the embargo. It's embargoed until the day of release. But that is a big, big show. Obviously, that's like a massive... Netflix will be hoping that's the next major phenomenon, basically, mm-hmm. um, without putting too fine a point on it. There's Van der Volk is back on ITV on Sunday, which is the there was the remake of the I think seventies detective show set in Amsterdam with Mark Warren. But the main show is The Sandman, which is on which is for, on Netflix from Friday the fifth, which we couldn't review this week anyway. It's with Tom Sturridge, who also pops up in Irma Vep, by the way. Um, Jenna Coleman, Gwendolyn Christie. It's got an incredible cast, but it's a major geeky fantasy show that we need James to, to help us review it anyway. So. It's quite good that we can't do that this week in some ways. Oh, and I want to mention, I tell the other big show, the big, big show, Kay, mm. you'll know. Come on, tell me. That I gratuitously previewed in Heat magazine is All or Nothing. Oh, my God. No, wait a minute. Yes. <sighs> All or Nothing, colon, <laughs> Arsenal. It's, it's the prime video oh, lavish documentary series <gasps> about Arsenal's football season, 2020 <laughs> uh, it's going to be very exciting and fascinating for anyone interested in documentaries. Oh, um, documentaries, yes. Sports, Arsenal, no football, one. But mainly, mainly for Arsenal fans. <laughs> 100% mainly for Arsenal fans. Wonderful. Yeah, I should be attending the premiere of that on Tuesday. I'm so very excited about the whole thing. So happy for you. Thanks. Yeah, made up for you, Boyd. <laughs> made up for you. What are our, I suspect to know which way this is going, but what are our picks of the week? Yeah, Irma Vep. Irma Vep is, is, is definitely my pick of the week. Wicked. Kate? Yes, I'm going to go for Irma Vep as well, but only if I can watch episode two. <laughs> yeah, I am going to join you there and say that I am confident that the second episode of Irma Vep will be my show of the week. Excellent. Wonderful stuff. Well, that's it for this week's show. If you want to leave us a five-star review, that would be very, very much appreciated. And feel free to look us up on social media at Pilot TV Pod, as well as individually at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, at Beth K. Webb. Kay, where can we find you on social media? Um, at Kay Ribeiro. Wonderful. That's great. Until next week, then, Pilot out. Mm-hmm. 